All Things Black with Garland and Calvin present Fanboys. Fanboys is a weekly breakdown of the sports world from a fan's perspective. Now, here are your hosts, Garland and Calvin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as you see, we got a brand new intro here. It's all yes, things son. black with Garland and Calvin. We fancy. I'm Calvin. That's my guy, Garland. <laughs> and Garland over there did the intro. Sir, how's it going? And tell us about this intro. What, what You got the little music and everything. What, what's going on here? We getting a little too fancy for the folks now. Wiki, 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 wiki. You know, we want to sound like we, uh, like we legit, legit. And so, uh, you know, I just just played around with the software and everything. It was like, all right, let's let's add a little classy intro to this and stuff. And so, you know, we're trying to improve on it every time we come out. And so, you know, it's going to be a new wrinkle every time you hear us. And so, yeah, you know, just just trying to make our brand a little bit stronger. Hey, man, we got a little outro that you all are here too that Garland made. So yeah, we we <laughs> set things up here. So make sure that when you listen, you. Uh, follow us, you like, you comment, you know, do do all the stuff that makes it look good for anyone that wants to give us some advertising because ultimately that's what we're looking for. So, but anyway, again, this is All Things Black with Garland and Calvin, but this is our fanboys, our sports, our weekly sports broadcast that we're doing on Saturdays mostly, but today we hit it on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to everyone. Happy uh, Mother's Day. How's Mother's Day going for the wife and the mom, Garland? Uh, everything's going well so far. Uh, we went out yesterday, and so we did a little something uh, with the uh, with my wife and my mom and my sister and all. And so um, went to church today, and um, we might do something a little later on this afternoon. Right now, everybody's chilling because, um, you know, on Mother's Day, the price go up 2,000%. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last couple of other days we've been trying to like do a Saturday type of piece because yeah, the, the prices ain't as crazy as they are on Sundays. The prices, the uh, crowds, all of that good yeah, stuff. So yeah, yeah, I definitely get it. But anyway, I know you got some things we want to get into, so let's let's get started and let everybody get back to their Mother's Day celebrations. All right, take care of Mama. That's right. I always love my Mama. <laughs> That's been playing all day. So let's all go ahead day. all day. Let's go ahead and start off with basketball. We're in the uh, second round of the playoffs, and uh, the number one seeds are up two one each. And so Phoenix is up two one over Dallas. That game is just get ready to start in uh, Dallas. Uh, they lost on Thursday night, I believe it was, to uh, Dallas. The Suns did, and the Miami Friday, Heat. Friday, Friday, Friday night. Friday night. It was Friday night. Yeah, Friday. Okay, I think it was Friday. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been Friday. Yeah, that's right. It was no game on Thursday, so it was Friday. I apologize. And so on Friday night, they lost uh, that game by, it looks like, about nine. And then uh, also the Sixers won by 20 over the Heat on Friday as well. And so uh, that game is later on this evening. So, yeah, you know, um, and then the Bucks and the Celtics, uh, they're – up 2-1. The, uh, the Bucks are up on the Celtics 2-1, and the Warriors are up on the Grizzlies 2-1. Uh, those games were yesterday, and we saw uh, Golden State get on a run. Uh, win by 30, 142-112, to 112, and we saw the Bucks pull out a controversial win over the Celtics, 103-101, to 101, where uh, refereeing factored into uh, the final score of the game. And so, um, Overall, this great series, uh, we saw Phoenix look like they was going to run away with it with the sweep with those two wins 
in Phoenix. Uh, we looked at Miami, and it looked like they definitely was going to do the same thing on the Sixers. But the return of Joel and B inspired the uh, Sixers to come out with that big victory on Friday. And then we saw the emergence of John Morant. He's been putting in work the whole series. But uh, last night, uh, he had 34 points before uh, injuring his knee and leaving in the fourth quarter, but it didn't make any sense. I mean, it didn't make any difference because um, the Sixers just, I mean, excuse me, the uh, Warriors just put it on him. And so we saw Steph Curry. He had 30 points last night. Uh, we saw uh, Poole. Uh, he had 25. Uh, Clay had 21. They shot for over 60% from the field. One of their best games that they put together. Uh, they started off a little rocky, but then they caught fire. And by the uh, end of the second quarter, although Jod hit a big shot from half court, uh, they never relinquished that lead. And so um, what are your thoughts so far, Calvin, about, you know, the uh, the playoffs and how we're looking so far in these series? Are they turning out the way that you thought they would or any surprises for you? Uh, no surprises. Uh, pretty much the, uh, this is what I thought. Now, the only surprise if there is one, um, is the way the Sixers won. But, of course, they brought back Embiid. We didn't think Embiid was coming back at all. And I believe uh, Philly's getting fined by the league about 50 grand for um, something about the injury report on Embiid. They reported him being available a little too late or something like that, and clearly right. it didn't matter. But when they were down 2-0, there was no way they could not let Embiid come back if he had any any chance of coming back because they would have been gone down 3-0 which would have essentially ended the playoff run for them um and i think miami was probably preparing for him to be there anyway because they the Sixers can't win without him um i knew that you know how i feel about the warriors um so i knew that would be uh pretty much where it is now um let me see if there's no no nobody no nothing that i can say is surprising, but I will say that it has been, even starting with the playing game, going through the first round and this round, it's been a pretty exciting NBA playoffs uh, series. I, I, I can't lie. There may have been maybe one or two series that weren't really any good. Of course, the Nets getting swept wasn't any good, but pretty much all the series have been pretty good, pretty decent. Um, so, and these, these four games have, you know, they haven't changed. They pretty good so i'm enjoying them all actually yeah now um we did see some controversy in the uh, second game of the warriors grizzly series uh, dylan brooks uh he had a hard foul on gary payton jr uh, as a matter of fact the resulting foul in the fall uh, that payton had on going up for the layup uh, he fractured his elbow Looks like he, if they make the finals, he could possibly come out, uh, come back. But uh, he's going to be out for a long time. Uh, Dylan Brooks was suspended for Game Three, and now we have the uh, Grizzlies. They're uh, claiming big foul, and they want to see uh, possibly pull suspended for uh, Morant's injured knee. Um, just looking at the game last night, it didn't look like Poole really hit him on the knee. It looked like they were scrambling for the ball, and Jai's foot got a little stuck, but. Other than that, what do you think about this? This is, you know, uh, we got rid of, this is not the 80s anymore. Now, the foul that um, Dylan Brooks did on Gary Payton Jr., back in the 80s, they wouldn't even have called that a foul. They just would have let it go ball up, get the rebound, go back the other way. But now that we're playing in the uh, in the 2000s, you know, it's changed. These fouls are, you know, they're very serious. You can get a flagrant, flagrant one, flagrant, flagrant two. And so, you know, what, what do you think about the tenor of this Warriors series? And are the Warriors still the team to beat? 
Absolutely, the Warriors are still the team to beat. Like I said, man, like I said before, you said I'm on Steve Kerr's payroll, you which are. I might be. I might be. <laughs> Y'all didn't but see Calvin Warriors. sitting on the bench uh, <laughs> last night. <laughs> the Warriors are the team to beat. Um, Dylan had to get – he had to get suspended at least one game because you injured mm-hmm. a player, and one, and that injured player is going to miss some games. So it, it was kind of one of them – they had to suspend them. Um, the, number one, they called the foul. So once they called the foul, um, the league is going to take a look at it and see if there's going to be a fine behind it or whatever. And yeah, he got the the brunt of it. Now, one game is actually, and, and that's why I think the one game is more of a, you know, tit for tat almost, even though uh, Peyton isn't going to come back um within that one game but it was one of them you know we, we got to do something because he is injured um it kind of evens out the next game in their mind um and it kind of satisfies the warriors because they're losing a player for so long um so they kind of had to do it i agree with you if it was in the 80s it wouldn't have even been called but fortunately unfortunately for them we're not in the 80s we're in the 2020s so it's gonna have to get called yeah, I, you know, and, and I don't know what the Grizzlies are talking about now. You know, this old, oh, they broke the code, I guess, because because uh, Steve uh, Kerr said that the other night uh, on Dylan Brooks' foul that, you know, it was dangerous and he broke the code. And so now they're trying to say that uh, Jordan Poole, he broke the code last night because he injured uh, Jaws' knee. Uh, to me, both fouls were not the same. Um, there was no malicious intent from Jordan Poole's foul. As a matter of fact, I don't even think he was trying to foul him. He was going after the ball. Um, I, I think definitely uh, the other foul on Peyton Jr., uh, that was very dangerous. Hit him in the head, knocked him out the air. And so, you know, that did warrant it, uh, the uh, suspension that, you know, that was handed down. I don't think that was out of line. And so we're going to see what happens and see if uh, Morant comes back and plays and uh, game four, uh, I, I think, you know, the Warriors look good, but I, I'm still going to rock with the Suns. I think this is the uh, Suns uh, Western Conference to lose. Uh, they've been playing well all year. Uh, they look very hot in those first two games. I think Dallas has stepped up at home. And now you have the other role players who were not playing good in those first two games. They've picked up their production. Jalen Brunson, uh, he had 20 plus uh, the other night. Is taking some of the pressure off of Luca, so uh, Luca doesn't have to score fifty every night, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But uh, I'm along with you. I just, just it's been a great playoff series, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these games shake out. Now, before we, uh, I'm sorry, you gonna go and say something? No, no, go, go. Okay. Um, now, before we leave basketball, let's let's go back and uh, talk a little bit about something we talked about last uh, week in terms of Ben Simmons and James Harden. Uh, if you've been following the news uh, earlier this week, Ben Simmons, he just had back surgery. And uh, this is kind of supposed to uh, <laughs> confirm the the back injury that he'd been complaining about. And he's going to be out for several months. And they're anticipating that he'll be ready at the start of the next season. And um, our boy James Harden, he's kind of been washed in the series. As a matter of fact, he's just been washed, period. Uh, outside of the couple games when he first got traded to Philly, where he had great games, he's not been the player that he was in Houston. Uh, we definitely didn't see that also in the first two games of the Heat series as well. And so 
let's reassess that trade. I mean, looking at it now, do you still – now, I thought that the um, Sixers won the trade. What, what are your thoughts? Do you think that the Sixers are still kind of ahead or, you know, we can call it even? Uh, the only people that won the trade was the NBA because it was a whole lot of buzz around it and a whole lot of talking around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Sixers won the trade, but it's not like they they won by a big – well, actually, you know what? I don't know if the Sixers won the trade. So when you're talking about the two players, Ben Simmons is hurt, James Harden isn't living up to what he's supposed to be, but the Sixers gave up a lot. You know, um, the Nets got some draft picks. They got um, uh, Seth in the deal. They got somebody else. I, the trade might. Are be you a trying move. to say that Seth is a is a key player in this trade? No, 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 no. Okay, no. I'll give it. He's a, he's a healthy player. They okay. got two. They got okay. three bodies. Two of the bodies are still playing, along with some draft picks. And all they gave up was James Harden. I mean, and Harden ain't living that. It would be different if Harden was averaging 20, 25 points a game. It might be an even trade. It might be an mm-hmm. even trade. But that's why I said the only people that won't really the NBA because, you know, just the buzz around it. Because if you look at it, I mean, when Embiid was out, if Harden was the player that he was, even with Embiid out, you would have been like, well, they still got James Harden. Nah, we were all like, well, James Harden going to have to step up. And he ain't done it yet. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, man, it's just, uh, it, it ended up being a, a non-eventful trade, if I could say it that way. Okay. I mean, we knew that uh, James Harden, he still loves the strip club. And I have a personal theory about <laughs> any basketball player that dates a Kardashian. Uh, after being with a Kardashian, they lose their superpower on the court. I mean, um, there have been several players that, dated kardashians and particularly chloe and after um, they finish or after she's finished they're kind of washed and so we could put james harden in that uh, category can't we put ben simmons there didn't ben simmons date he one dated of them? one of the younger Kardashians. yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> let's go ahead but yeah i'm telling you it, someone needs to do a study on that i want to see the correlation between dating a kardashian and how it affects your game and uh, <laughs> at first I was saying that the Sixers won this trade because simply because Harden was on the court and he was playing and he was giving them minutes and he was giving them some contribution, not the stuff that he was doing in Houston, but at least they were getting something out of him. Really, the only person that was playing for the Nets was Seth Curry. Um, and I think they also had traded uh, Drummond was a part of that yeah. trade as well. And so Drummond was getting some run, but towards the playoffs and in the playoffs, you know, he basically was buried on the bench. I still kind of would give the edge to the Sixers because to me, Simmons is too much of an enigma. I really think this whole back thing is something that was concocted by Rich Paul, his, um, his manager, his agent, um, I, I just, you know, he was the last time we saw him play, Calvin, he was scared to shoot. And it was obvious that he still was scared to play this season. And um, I, I don't know what you're going to get out of him. To me, it's still up in the air. Now, if he comes and he returns to, you know, uh, maybe his second, third season in the league, that type of form as a player, then the Nets are going to be dangerous. And I would give them the edge. But right now, until he gets on the court, until he starts producing, you know, I'll, I'll give it to the Sixers. But 
But yeah. but mm-hmm. now are the Nets going to be dangerous? Because now they got a decision to make. Are they going to sign Kyrie long term? So they got to they got to sign Kyrie because that uh-huh. that's the whole thing of why him and KD are together. That that, yeah. that was their plan. They got to they got to uh... sign him. They've got to sign. Him. Yes, he's nutty. Yes, he's you know he's. You I just... say he's nutty. I'm not gonna say he's nutty. He is different. Let's you just, just don't know if he when he's not going to be available. That's the that's the only problem. You just well, don't know if he's going to be available. You better hope the COVID numbers don't go back up. Exactly. Because <laughs> if COVID well, they, goes back up, he and won't they be available playing. at home. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, they they better hope there's no more variants and uh, hope these numbers stay down. Um, but you know, if all things go well in terms of okay, let's say COVID is in check and he's able to play the home games and there's no restrictions there. I mean, we know he's going to miss 15 to 20 games because he's Kyrie. His finger's going to hurt. He's he's going to be, you know, he needs to sage his home. He needs he's going to have to do something. But I think a a 60 game Kyrie, a 62 game Kyrie is real good. I mean, that that's what you're probably going to get out of him. You're not going to get a whole 82. Uh, with KD, KD sold us, you know, basically KD left a winning team to go play with Kyrie. And, you know, I think this is a marriage that's got to, you got to give at least another two seasons. What? Especially with, a, yeah, because they've you, already got two seasons under their belt. Yeah, but last year was kind of like an anomaly because we still were kind of COVID related. And so, uh, and the first year, we got to forget that. Um, KD didn't play because of the injury in Golden State, so he didn't play in the bubble. And yeah, man, yeah and so I'm I mean, just, you uh... you gotta you spent this money, you you <laughs> made these coaching changes, you made this big trade. You got to give it at least another year or two to see. Yeah, but work. but that's the thing you you're saying. Give it another year or two. If they sign him to that max deal, that's not another year or two. You know what I mean? Okay, if they sign him to the max, what's that going to be like? Three to five years? I think it's five. Yeah, I think it's three to five years. See, see how it works after a year or two, and then trade them. Somebody will take them. You, you can, you can, you can package that trade. The NBA has shown that they'll go ahead and take trades. I mean, if it doesn't work in two years in that max deal, then you know, swap them out for somebody else. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, and, we'll and, see. And, and make no mistake, I'm a Kyrie fan. I, the boy is amazing. Like he is. I'm not taking that from him. It's just you you can be amazing, but in an 82-game season, if I can't depend on you for half the season, then you're not really doing me any good. You know, yeah. I need you. You know, He's, 60 games would be great, you know, but we're talking, what did he play this year, 40? Yeah. Just, uh, just uh, whatever. He's he's got pity pat for days, and so yeah, we you, you just gotta see, you just gotta see, you just gotta see. All right, well, let's talk about something that uh, Calvin is still holding, having hope in, and hoping that they do well, and that is the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, since the last time we talked, actually, the Orioles have done uh, surprisingly well. Uh, since the last time we talked. Yes. And I and I let you know on social media after you talk bad on them, they went two and zero the next two days. They've gone <laughs> four and two this week. You last week we talked about it and they went like one and five or two two and four. So they went four and two this week. Not only did they go four and two, 
They're no longer in last place. The Red Sox are in last. Red Sox are in last place. And they took, <laughs> two, they split. They took two out of four from yes. the first place Minnesota Twins. They Listen, did. put some respect on my O's <laughs> name. Let's go O. Let's go O. As right. we were, as we when we uh jumped on here, they were losing to the Royals like uh three to one, five to three, something, something. It's, t- it's tied up now, four four. Uh, well, let's go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. I mean, yeah, we're gonna see. You know, it's funny. I was watching the game uh the other night and uh they hit a lot of home runs in that game, and I was like, wow, it, this could be fun. As I said in the earlier um, podcast, Calvin, if they got to be close to 500 in order for the fans to stick with them, in order for uh, us to keep that interest and to make it interesting for the season, they cannot have another season like the last two seasons. They've got to win. I'm not expecting them to get a wild card this year. Uh, and, and I think that's unrealistic. Uh, the, the top of the AF. AL East is just too thick. I mean, Yankees, Tampa, and Toronto, those teams are going to be battling it out. I mean, but okay, good. You're above the Red Sox. I like that. Give me some, give me 500. Get get a little bit under 500, but give me some very competitive games. I want to see these young guys come up from the farm system. I want to see them start playing so we can start to see the promise of some of these kids and maybe build into uh, next season and to do a little bit better, but they, they cannot perform like they did the last two seasons. Listen, they lead the league in double plays. They were leading in steals at one point. When, when is the last time you heard the Orioles leading anything in steals? Come on. <laughs> the Orioles are out here playing some exciting baseball. Man, you y'all, listen, y'all better get on this Orioles train. Right, I'm right. trying to tell you. Okay. Now, now, I will admit we will always be disappointed at the end because Peter Angelos still owns the team. So we're always going to be disappointed at the end. But right now, y'all better jump on this train. All Get right. on this O's train. Okay. I'm they're, telling you. They're still at the near the bottom in runs. They're still near the bottom in batting average, once, team batting average, and they're still kind of in the bottom third in slugging percentage. Once but, again, are they mathematically eliminated from the playoffs <laughs> yet? That's no. always going to be my thing. No. And if they're not mathematically eliminated, then there is still a chance. Let's go O's. Okay. Uh, I like the way that Mullins is playing now. He's heating up. Uh, he's he's hitting the ball. He's getting on base. He has that sneaky power. Uh, Mount Castle's playing well. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him a fair shake. I want to see what they do. I want to see what they do. And... Like I said, win some more games, win some games, become consistent, then I'm back on board. I'm calling it now. They're going to be 500 or better this coming week. When we when we broadcast, right. including <laughs> t- and I'm going to include Sunday, when we record this next Saturday, they will be 500 or above for the week. Book it. All right, book it. Book it. You, you hear it, fans. Y'all hear it, right? <laughs> Listeners. Calvin's putting it out there. They're going to be at 500. Let's see. Who do they play in the next couple of weeks, as a matter of fact? Uh, I think they, they got, got the Yankees. I think they got the Yankees in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got the Yankees. I briefly looked at it the other day. I think they got the Yankees. Oh, no. At, at the KC, they got St. Louis. Then they got Detroit. 
Then they had the Yankees. So actually, oh wait a minute, the Yankees don't even fall to the following week, right? Yeah, yeah. So okay, they got, they got KC uh, these games because uh, as a matter of fact, they got a doubleheader tomorrow as well. So they got KC, um, and then on Tuesday they go to St. Louis and they play the Cardinals. Then they go to Detroit and finish out the week in uh, Detroit. And so, uh, winnable games, five hundred or better. Okay. Okay. All right, all right. We we shall see. We shall see. <laughs> we shall see. All right, let's go to football. You know, we calm down a little bit now on football. Uh, draft is over, and everybody's you know happy with their grade and everything. Um, as we talked about last week, the Ravens had an excellent grade. Most of the uh, pundits and experts gave them at least an A plus, A minus. They were right up up there in terms of their draft, which they always do. They do a great job of finding players. Uh, but we did have some controversy in the league. DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, was suspended for performance-enhancing drug use six games. And so now we kind of see a little bit more connection in the trade with uh, the Ravens for Marquise Brown. Uh, they are definitely going to need another receiver, although uh, Marquise is not uh, DeAndre. We, and we talked about that at uh, length last week. Uh, you know, we're looking at possibly, you know, Marquise being a piece to that team and complementing uh, DeAndre, uh, not necessarily coming in and carrying a number one's load. And so what do you think about uh, that, you know, trade now that we know about DeAndre Hopkins? And it, it appears that they knew this was coming down before the trade. And so it was pretty much known that he was going to uh, miss at least six games. So that was, you know, that's good for the Ravens. It, it gave us um, first round pick. We got to take him off of the books, even though he's still in his under his rookie contract. But we got to take him off the books before he could ask for big money. Um, granted, we still need a wide receiver. But yeah, I mean, good, good for the Cardinals. Now, it, it just feels like uh, Hollywood is going into the situation that he just came out of that he said he didn't want to be in. You know, he don't I don't I'm not a high a reception guy that's not my role well looks like it's about to be your role at least for the first six games sir like right. you going in there you're going to be targeted again you got right. aj green um you got zach Ertz. um they do have like aj green game. is washed it's not the aj exactly green cincinnati so. exactly yeah, so that's, you're going to be the number one guy hollywood mm-hmm. you the balls are coming your way sir you right. you and your whole under six feet uh wide receiver yeah so they got two midgets you got a midget throwing to a midget so I, i'm just i'm trying to figure out how this is going to work well college college as small as college college's a baller now nah, yeah he's I'm, a baller i I'm mean give him that he, he's that small dude that you grew up with that's good at every sport yeah <laughs> you know yeah he's small and but you know I, I guess that's why he has to run a lot and you know those uh the big linemen and uh, those, you know, very tall teams, they, they do give him a, quite a challenge. And, but, you know, they always cook at the beginning of the season. It's later in the season when they start having their issues. True, By the time you get true. to the seventh, eighth game, that, you know, uh, that Kingsbury, that Kingsbury offense, it, it, it kind of, you know, uh, it gets a little stale. They get a little predictive. And, you know, once they get against those very good defensive teams, they pretty much disappear. Well, what I really want to see is they talk about how um, I think Kyler was the most accurate quarterback in deep balls going downfield. I really want to see how 
Hollywood Brown gets this speed in because like we've always talked about, we just didn't see it here. We just didn't see that breakaway speed here. Um, we didn't see him, you know, a lot of his catches were crossing routes underneath routes. You know what I mean? We right. didn't see. So I want to see if he's able to separate himself and catch these deep balls because clearly that's what he wants. He, he sounded again, um, I talked about this last week, but he sounded like he wants the impactful plays more than the he wants the the quality as opposed to the quantity so he wants those impactful plays so that's going to be the deep ball in the, with the cardinals because it's not like you're catching an underneath you know catching right. a five yard crossing pattern and turn it into 15 that's not your game so we'll game. see we'll see what you can do you know talk i haven't seen the speed but maybe in st louis he i mean st louis maybe in arizona he'll uh you know, get his legs or something. I have no idea. I have no yeah, idea. I agree with you. He's not going to catch that sluggo and go 60 on you. you know, exactly. He's he going to catch that sluggo and lay down. Exactly. And so <laughs> we, we're going to see what happens for him. I was just, uh, as I was preparing for today, I saw this just come across the uh, wire. An arrest warrant is issued for uh, former All-Pro Safety Earl Thomas. If you uh, Baltimoreans remember, or and Seattle Seahawks fans as well, and Baltimore Ravens fan, uh, Earl Thomas played safety for both teams. And uh, a no, he plays he played safety for Seattle. He came to Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> he played for a minute until uh, Big yeah, Boy okay. on the Titans just pushed him down the field, <laughs> had him blocking for him, but. Um, and tackle him. He won't do that. <laughs> and then turned around and got posted right. <laughs> Big boy was like, block for me. And so uh, an arrest warrant was issued for Earl Thomas uh, for violating a uh, court protective order by sending uh, threatening messages to a woman about her and her children. Now, uh, according to court records, uh, Thomas uh, was charged with third degree felony for at least two violations within 12 months of the protective order. And so uh, he's going through a divorce with a young lady named Nina Thomas, and she filed for divorce from um, Earl Thomas in November 2020. If you remember, uh, after he was released by the Ravens, uh, there was a, a incident between him and his then wife, Nina, where he was uh, caught in a hotel room having a uh, menage tricky. You know, he was doing a three score. Uh, him and his brother and uh, a couple other chicks. And so uh, the wife had divorced him. And as a matter of fact, it was rumored that she pulled a gun on him. Oh, it uh, wasn't a rumor. She got arrested for that gun. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, she pointed a loaded handgun at him during a heated argument, and she was charged with first-degree felony burglary of a residence with the intent to commit aggravated assault. And so, um, yeah, so my man, he's going through a little bit, but, you know, it's kind of ironic because just early in the week, he had told uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter that he wanted to resume his NFL career. Well, um, I looks like (laughs) I don't, I don't, he's 33. And the last time we saw him, he was getting manhandled. So what do you think about his chances of coming back now, Calvin? First of all, um, a lot of times when corners lose a little step um, and they get experience, they move to safety. Right. Now, you're already a safety at 33 that has lost quite a few steps. 
and getting in trouble. Where are you going to move to? Special teams? You don't even have the speed to be on special teams. <laughs> right. On punter, kicker, you're not coming back. Sir, now there's always the XFL. Um, right. You, USFL? Yeah, there's arena football. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, flag football, um, you know. There's women's football. You can you can go to any of them leagues, but he not. Come on, oh, sir. Oh boy. On, yeah. sir. And I and I think I read that he um he talked about poisoning his wife and children. I think that if you look a little more into if you Google him, I think that's something they were saying. And I kind of just brushed over it because I was like, this guy's a clown. I knew he was a clown in Baltimore. So and and remember, he didn't even get kicked off the team for the incident with his wife. He got kicked off the team for fighting. um, uh, What's the the receiver? Yeah. No, he punched Chuck Clark. Just just sir. Sir. What? You're Earl Thomas. You came from Seattle as, well, you were really, really good in Seattle. Then when you got hurt, you decided to flip the bird to your coach. Nah, you didn't think that would work out too well. Right. Then you solicited you you solicited yourself to Jerry Jones to come get you. Now, if Jerry Jones stays away from you, because Jerry right. Jones will, will get anybody. If he you know you're messy if Jerry you. Jones don't, don't get with you. <laughs> you got to be real messy. Yeah, man. Jerry Jones, yeah. he had a guy in there uh, taking photos of the cheerleaders in the uh, changing room. So, you know, and he kept them uh, going for a long one, time. And, and you know, that he took pictures of his daughter also. Right. Upskirted her in the uh, draft yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, man, if, if Jerry kept that guy around and he didn't want you, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a little messy, my man. And so... um Earl Thomas, I think, you know, you might want to call the USFL. You might want to talk to The Rock and see when he's starting up the (laughs) XFL so you can go ahead and uh, get on one of those teams. Now, the other story uh, that was kind of big came out of Tennessee, our boy uh, Ryan Tannehill. Now, Ryan Tannehill, um, he, he pretty much choked away the playoff game last year against the Bengals. They had home field advantage. He came out through a couple picks and uh, just really was down after that playoff loss. So he he went and saw some therapy. He was in a dark place, he said, Calvin. And, uh, he had to kind of figure it out. After a loss? Yeah, he was in a dark place. He said he was in a dark place. <laughs> you know, that 19-16 loss to the Bengals. He threw three interceptions in that game. He, you know, it was a deep scar. This is a direct quote. It was a deep scar. And he had to go work it out. He could, it, it was affecting his sleep. But the well, year before... He threw an interception to Marcus Peters yeah. when he should have hit AJ Bryant. <laughs> he threw a couple. <laughs> yeah, but that loss last year it put him in a dark place, Calvin. And he... Okay, never yeah. mind. Yeah. I'm just going off what the man said. The man said he was in a dark place, <laughs> and he had to seek some therapy. Well, while he was seeking therapy, the uh, the Titans went ahead and drafted a quarterback, rookie Malik Willis, out of Liberty, and so. Um, of course, you know, your boy Tannehill, he got asked the question, are you going to mentor Malik Willis? And of course, my man Tannehill said, um, it's not my job to mentor him. You know, if he picks up something from me, that's good. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read the direct quote. I don't think it's my job to mentor him. But if he learns from me along the way, that's a great thing. Okay, Calvin, so what do you think about this statement? I mean, and we heard this a lot. We heard it in Baltimore when uh, the Ravens drafted 
uh, Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco was the quarterback and they asked Joe the same thing. And, and Joe was kind of like, hey, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not my job. What do you think about this? Is it the job of the quarterback to mentor the young guy on the team, the guy that's been drafted to possibly take your place? Um, well, first of all, full disclosure, I'm not a Ryan Tannehill fan. I wasn't a Tannehill fan when he was in Miami. I okay. think Tannehill in Tennessee has benefited from Derrick Henry, and Tannehill has always done just enough to get them over the hump. Of course, it's like every other NFL player. He has games where he goes above average, but I think he's an average quarterback with an amazing running game that gives him just enough. Um, yes. With that being said, I completely agree with him. I agree with Tannehill. I agree when Joe Flacco said it. Um, you get paid to be the quarterback of the team. It is absolutely not your job to make sure your understudy gets as good or better than you. Now, you're going to automatically be in the quarterback room together. You're going to automatically be practicing together. But, I'm again, I think I've told you before, I'm for the players. And being for the players means that I'm all for the players getting as much money as they can. So when you're out there on the field practicing and playing, you're playing for yourself. Yeah, you're playing for the, the logo and the win and with the team and all, but your number one priority is for, to you and your family to get as much money as you can and stay as healthy as you can. It is not his job. They drafted him. They need to work with him and get him up to speed and get him better. Now, if he's if if Tannehill is being an asshole to the guy, then that's a little different. But him saying it's not his job, ask Aaron Rodgers if Brett Favre mentored him. Ask Jordan Love if Aaron Rodgers mentored him. You know, it doesn't happen. And it's it should it doesn't have to happen. It absolutely does not have to happen. I have no issue with any quarterback saying that, that it's not my job to mentor him and make it better. It, it, it's not. If you want to do it, that's great. That's good for you. But it's not your job um, because that guy will take your job and you will be left out in the cold a la Drew, Drew um, oh, not Breeze. What's the guy? What's the guy in New England when uh, he got hurt? Let's say Drew Bledsoe. Got hurt. Tom Brady came in and never looked back. Never looked back. It's crazy because Bledsoe was about to lose his job anyway because um, Belichick thought that he went off script too much and they needed the person to stay on script and they were ready to possibly make the change to Brady anyway before he got injured. And so it's kind of ironic that it happened that way. Um, I look at it a little uh, differently, uh, Calvin, although I agree with you. Do you want to train the person who's going to replace you. Not all the time. I look at it, as it at it as in team. You know, this guy's coming in and possibly one day I might get injured and he needs to play. And I want to make sure he's ready too. But to me, I'm going to show it on the field. I'm going to show you. It's going to make me play harder. It's going to make me work harder. I'm just not going to say, oh, well, you're here to replace me and I'm just going to do everything to sabotage you being able to replace me. No, I'm going to go out and I'm going to perform. And if I don't get my money up there and they don't bury you deeper on the bench because of my performance, it's going to open up another opportunity for me. I mean, let's not forget these 40 year old white quarterbacks are still getting jobs <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, they wanted to bring Jace. Um, McCown, the guy that they almost gave the Texans job to, Josh McCown, they wanted to bring him back 
when a couple quarterbacks got injured last year to play. He was coaching high school ball, hadn't played in almost two years. And so you're always going to have a job if you're white in the NFL and if you're a quarterback. And so uh, Tannehill, okay, yeah, I understand. You know, you're in that dark place and you you feel like you're scrapping for your job. But for me, go out there and just do what you do and show that you're heading uh, above the competition. But it, it won't hurt to look behind you and say, hey, this is how you prepare as a professional. This is how we do it. But also you get on your job and you do the best that you can do. So, you know, you make sure when the decision is made that they it's undeniable that you're the one. Yeah, but he's not his his contract isn't to be a mentor. Now, again, as long as he's that you mentioned sabotage, as long as he's not being an asshole and trying to sabotage him, that's a little different. But mm -hmm. if Tannehill just wants to go in on about his business and continue to work like he's supposed to work, then he has no obligation to uh, bring up Malik. He has none whatsoever. And no one should expect him to. You know, the team shouldn't expect him to. Again, the team drafted him. It's their job to bring him up to speed. Tannehill can show him in practice if, if the guy wants to watch and, you know, imitate him and all. Yeah, let him do that. But it is not Tannehill's job to call him. Even though he did uh, reach out to him and welcome him to the team, it's not his job to make sure he has the playbook down. It's not his job to tell him how to watch for safeties dropping down or, or schemes. It's not his job to do any of that. No, I completely, I completely agree. This is a business first because just you mentioned it, you know, if he gets hurt, then this guy should be able to step in and he will take your job. He will step in and take your job. And now you're scrambling around. And if the NFL is a little different from baseball, well, a lot different from baseball. There's no mm -hmm. guaranteed contracts, you right. know. So if you if you go down, these teams can get rid of you easily. They can get rid of you, you know. So, nah, it's, it's not right. as long as he's not being an asshole, as long as he's not trying to sabotage him, there's nothing wrong with him going on about his business, doing what he does. And if you actually think about it, if I'm part of the team, I may not – if I'm a, a coach on the team, I may not necessarily want you mentoring him. I may want him to have to fend for himself and earn his spot because – Again, we talked about Flacco. Look at the progression of Lamar Jackson above Flacco. Look at how Aaron Rodgers progressed in spite of Brett Favre. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah, sure, you sure. know, you may, you may want, it makes these guys hungrier. You know, it may make the guy angry. Like, oh, well, fuck him, man. I'm going to show him. And that's what you want. You want that competition. You want these guys to be the best that they can be. You want them fighting for the job. You don't necessarily want them being the best of friends. You know, you want them fighting for a job. You want them competing. I didn't. I didn't say he had to make Malik the godfather of his uh, of his baby. <laughs> but you know, um, I think that's just a different way. I mean, I don't think it's unprofessional to mentor and still fight for your job. I mean, let your performance speak for itself. Yeah. Nah. I feel you. Nah. I feel you. Okay. All right. Well, now we come into our favorite segment of the show. Come on, yo. This is where we sound off about different things that's going on in the sports world, you know. So this gives you a chance to, you know, tell them how you feel, son. So come on, yo, Calvin, you can go first. Come on, yo. So um, and we we mine is kind of piggybacking on what we did in the segment the last time. Both of us 
uh, looked at the Ravens. And, and I'm going to go back to the Ravens again, and this still circles around Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, the Ravens, they they have a great team. They have all these players coming back from injury. They got, you know, they still have Lamar. I mean, they, they, they drafted well, uh, arguably one of the best drafts this year, probably one of their best drafts ever, depending on how a lot of these guys turn out. I mean, they make all the right decisions, but they're banking on Rashad Bateman, who is a second-year coming off of a rookie season where he only played half the year. And now we got some guys that would probably be third, low third, maybe fourth options in any passing game at receiver. Yeah, we got Mark Andrews, but we need a wide receiver with some hands. So as much as the Ravens have been talking about how great they are, this and that, come on, y'all. Who won't catch the ball? <laughs> the number one receiver, Mark Andrews. Oh, uh, and, and what happens when they double and triple him? Or if a guy Lamar's still going to throw it to him, I mean, <laughs> Lamar's still going to throw it to him. You we saw did. that Cleveland game, that guy was on yeah, Mark Andrews, man. and Lamar just threw it up, and Mark Andrews caught it laying on his back with no, one we, arm. <laughs> we need a wide receiver, man. Come on, yo. Get, well, Jarvis Mark Andrews Landry is our is number there. one, and Rashard Bateman uh, is our number two. <laughs> Jarvis Landry is still out there. Don't do it. Um, you don't want to. I, I take no, Jarvis Landry. I take it, Jarvis. Calvin, what if we take, take these Jarvis receivers Landry. like Landry and Julio Jones? We're just taking a name. Not, not, not Julio. Just take, not Julio. Okay, but let I, me, I, I'm let just putting them in a class. So I'm just saying, let me finish the point. What I'm saying is taking these guys – who are kind of past their prime. We're just taking the name to me. All right, let's go ahead and see these young guys run. That's why you coach them up. This is why you draft them. And we got to see if they can play instead of always going out and getting these stop gaps. You know, we went out and got a stop gap last year and he didn't do anything for the team. Sammy Watkins. Well, that's because Sammy Watkins was uh, hurt from the time he was born. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. they even thought they but they in the season. They went out and got him. And so for me, let's see if Porsche and DuVernay can do it. You drafted them. They just can't keep on returning punts and kickoffs all their career. You didn't draft them just to be special teamers. You draft them to be wide receivers. We got to see if these guys can play. I mean, because like I said, to me, your number one is Mark Andrews. Your number two is Rashad Bateman. And you got to see if these other guys can play. Now, let me say this. They did draft some other tight ends, but they'll probably – it looks like they, they're thinking about running double and triple tight it's gonna ends. Be, it's going to be I, quadruple I no tight end yeah. sets. <laughs> but, but I'm going to say this. Now, I'm not not Julio Jones because Julio Jones is – he showed us in Tennessee last year. He is definitely not the player that he was. He scored one touchdown and, last year. Yeah, and he stays hurt and he couldn't catch. But I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you why I like Jarvis Landry. I like Jarvis Landry the same reason I like when they tried to get Juju last year. Because Jarvis can go across the middle. He has reliable hands. He can catch that underneath ball, which I thought Hollywood Brown should have been trying to do more of. And he, he just got the reliable hands. We can use that. That we can use. I'm telling you, Jarvis Landry will be a good, good picker. He's not 
he's a he's kind of a name. He was more of a name when he left Miami and went to Cleveland. But now he's just kind of a name, but he's reliable. Um, of course, Odell Beckham is out there, and people are like, well, maybe Odell, besides the fact that he's hurt, Odell he is more of a home run. He wants the money, and he's a home run guy. Like, right. you know, and I'm, uh, we don't necessarily, we don't need the home run guy. That's where you let Rashad Bateman and your other guys try to, you know, emerge. But them, them underneath routes, them reliable hands, you can depend on Jarvis. I'm t- If it wasn't for Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield would have been ran out of Cleveland. He would have right. been run out so of Cleveland. I guess we can say that Jarvis Landry is Anquan Bolden light. <laughs> like Anquan Bolden, light, light, light. <laughs> like he's not a, he don't he's not as good as Anquan, but but he has hands like right. Anquan. He's Anquan. He's Anquan Bolden zero, like Coke zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Let, let's give him that. He has he has good hands and he's a good route runner. Right. He's not Anquan. And I, I don't know. Let's put it this way: Anquan could catch ball the ball in traffic. Double and triple coverage. Right. I don't know if Jarvis can do that, but Jarvis can get open. He can run that route and get open. But anyway, Ravens, we need a receiver. Come on, oh, yeah. y'all. Get us All a right. receiver, man. Now, this is going to be a little different, Calvin, because really, I'm the only golfer on this uh, podcast right now. What uh, you trying to say? To- I've. What you trying to say? I've gone to Top Golf a few times. <laughs> I'm the only golfer on this uh, podcast right now. Someone that's actually played 18 holes. And um, I, my, my come on, yo, is about this dude, Phil Mickelson. Now, if you if you haven't been following the news lately, there's a unauthorized biography that's coming out about lefty Phil Mickelson, who's the eternal run-up to Tiger Woods. Um, and in the autobiography, or excuse me, the biography, they are alleging that uh, Mickelson gambling habit cost him over $40 million over four years. So that's like $10 million a year that he lost on gambling alone. Now, uh, if you know, but I'm not going to talk about Mickelson's gambling. That's his own personal thing. I mean, obviously he has money to burn. But my concern about Mickelson is his backing of this Saudi back golf league that they're starting over in Europe. If you don't know the, the, the Saudi government, uh, one of the probably the richest government in the world, you have all of these men with uh, oil money who run the country and they run it in a very heavy handed murderous way, how they treat women, how they take care of regular citizens. They, they behead people in public squares. They, they do a lot of different things over in Saudi Arabia. I know a lot of people want to go over to Dubai and hang out and all those different things, but there's a another level of what's going on with the Saudi government that is very treacherous. Well, Phil Mickelson, he wants that Saudi money. He wants that, he wants that, you know, he, he wants it to rain on him so he can stick it to the PGA. Well, my mom used to tell me all money and good money. There's some money you just can't chase after. You know, uh, it looks good. It smells good, but it's not always good for you. And so Mickelson, come on, yo. You can't ignore what this Saudi government has done to people just because you want to stick it to the PGA to get some money. Have a backbone. You know, they, they killed a journalist because the journalist just wrote a story about him, Khashoggi, 
They have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people there for being gay. But knowing all of this, Phil Mickelson says, I still want the money. Come on, yo. You make, you make, you make enough money that you can burn $10 million a year gambling. <laughs> Your DraftKings account has got to be crazy. You, you, you can burn $10 million a year. You need more money? So, nah, come on, y'all. Get yourself together, Phil Mickelson. All Phil money Mickelson, ain't good money. Phil Mickelson's biggest problem with that was um, he did what this new, uh, and, and I don't know his political leanings, but he did what these new conservatives, these Donald Trump-type conservatives had done, which mm -hmm. is um, came out and opened his mouth and thought that everybody was going to agree with him and back him. You know, had Phil Mickelson just shut the fuck up, he probably could have gotten away with it. But number one, you can't go out and bash the PGA. They made you who you are. And right. then number two, you can't then turn around and say, um, I know these Saudi people are bad, but I'm going to still go ahead and get this money because it's going to give us such an amazing opportunity. Had he shut the fuck up, um, and just did it, we would be talking about this in the past tense. He shouldn't have, you know, um, and, and, and I'm glad he got exposed. But, yeah, Phil Milkerson is one of them. And, and you find it a lot with uh, people with power and with money. They feel like they can do and say every, anything. And um, they're just completely out of touch with what's going on in the real world. Um, and I mentioned Donald Trump um, only because I remember that time we we were in the pandemic talking about um, people are losing their jobs. And he's like, well, just go to your local butcher and ask him for some meat and they'll give you the meat and you can pay him later. Like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? It's so out of touch with the right. real world. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I agree with you. Um you, you shouldn't have done it anyway. You got to do some better research. But that's from people that don't really care because it doesn't affect them. You right. know, that's all they're thinking about is the money. And, and he actually had other golfers ready to roll with him. Yeah, um, it's but... still some people that are that are looking at it. You got Sergio yeah. Garcia. You got a couple other players. I think uh, Lee Westwood just uh, made a petition to see if he could play. It's called the Super Golf League. Uh, they have a tournament that's coming up in June, and he wants to play in it. And so he's asking for an exemption. And so, yeah, you got some people who are going to take that money. You know, and as a matter of fact, Lee Westwood was saying that, um, well, hey, you know, there are a lot of other nefarious groups that are involved in our sports and stuff that, you know, got advertising money in it. So, you know, what's the problem? Well, yeah, and that's but the they're, thing. they're not killing people. Well, it, but the thing is, no one's talking. Like, no one came out and exposed them. Right. See, Phil Milkerson opened his mouth, and that's where he really messed that messed that bag up for himself. Um, they should be doing it, but he had a lot of people fall against him, and, you know, it's going to hurt his reputation. It'll hurt his bag. Um, but now, what I will say is, from my understanding of the Super Golf League, and, and, and I'm not as well-versed in golf, but from my understanding, um, it's less tournaments but more money. 
um, yeah. which gets the guys home a lot more than having to go out on the PGA. And I, I believe it's easier to qualify. There's no cuts or something. Right. Um, it, it's a lot of advantages if they weren't such bad people. You know, right. it's something that's almost a oh, no-brainer. They're, they're throwing money at it. And so yeah. that that's the whole thing. They, they they have unlimited money. This is all money. And so they're throwing a whole bunch of money at it. And, and the money is very tempting to people who have money. <laughs> this man lost $10 million a year, Calvin, just gambling. So he got the dollars. I was listening to uh, a podcast and it may have been Bomani. And he talked about, you know, as soon as I lost... 39 million i wouldn't have lost the last million i'm looking i'm listening to him like sir as soon as i lost the first million right there wouldn't have been a second i'm I like stopped. how do you how do you even get to 39 right <laughs> like, stop right there i lost how much oh i lost a million i lost five hundred thousand. okay that's good enough we good <laughs> cancel my account close my uh my uh my 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 DraftKings account. Thank you. <laughs> oh come on, now. So yeah, man, come on, yo, Mickelson, lefty, do better, do better, man, do better. Hey man, is that it? We we get through. It. We got through another one. We got through another one. We got through another show, yo. And another one. <laughs> we thank. You for joining us. Uh, make sure you join us this Wednesday um, when we talk about the most recent episode, the Tuesday night episode of This Is Us. We're coming to the end yes. of that. Calvin uh, and uh, Miguel are best friends now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're best friends, but I do I do respect the man's memory a lot more Calvin than is, I did. He's now the I new did. president of the Miguel fan club. Um, I'm, a, I'm the president <laughs> of the all right, Miguel, you cool club. <laughs> But make sure you join us on with that. Um, that's going to be ending soon. We do have the shy coming up. I think we talked about doing P Valley. Um, so we'll see what we're going to do after that. But uh, make sure you join us Wednesday when we discuss the latest episode of This Is Us. And, of course, join us next Saturday. Today is Sunday, but join us next Saturday when we release our next podcast, our next Fanboys podcast. And until then, I'm going to let you all hear this snazzy outro that Garland made like he did the intro. But let me just uh, <laughs> sign us off real quick. This is All Things Black with Garland and Calvin featuring, featuring fanboys. And this is our weekly sports podcast. I am Calvin. On the other side, there is the guru, the <laughs> intro, outro master, <laughs> Garland. <laughs> we all thank you for joining us. Hey, we'll talk to you all later. All right, all right Garland. All right, Gal. You have been listening to Fanboys, an All Things Black with Garland and Calvin production. Thank you for listening and make sure to rate and review this episode on all of your podcast platforms.